This week, we are chatting to Tom Parker Bowles. Ah, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know what to say about Tom. He is the most fantastically good company. Do you know, I think he's one of the very few people who's even greedier than I am. Really? Uh, And he has his absolute passion for food. uh, And he's, you know, he's... And I also, I also feel he's one of the best food writers, right? If not the best food writer around. I have a huge regard for him. And he makes well, me laugh. I'm really looking forward to talking to him. And not only does he have a passion for food, but he has a particular passion for heat and spice and chilli. Oh, yeah, he's very big on that. And Mexican food, too. He loves Mexican food. He's a great missionary for Mexican food. No, he's a, he's, he's a man of an ever-curious mind and, a, and a, I think, a wonderful way with words. So it should be... a Brilliant, brilliant podcast. Hello, Tom. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, Tom, what did you have for breakfast today? You know, I haven't had breakfast today, actually. What? No, I, but I have been. I have been researching a lot of breakfast for a new book that, the moment, will remain, uh, um, you know, top Cl- secret, but closely guarded. Secret. But I was looking at lots of breakfasts and breakfasts that that people used to eat in Victorian and Edwardian times. If you were very rich or very royal, what you I had to eight courses. So sort of, eight right. courses. Oh yeah, yeah. So they had all for sorts breakfast. of. And oh they had things like cold ptarmigan and ham and kidneys, mutton and, chops, uh, uh, mashed uh, potato. Uh, you know, it was a full. Yes, Would they meal. then go on to have lunch? Oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and dinner and tea. There's a, actually, and the there's a, yeah. <laughs> if you're interested, there's a really good essay by Harold Nicholson called "An Edwardian Weekend." Oh, is there? Where and it, all it is, it's a sort of list of what they ate in the course of the day. They lurch from one colossal feast to the next. They uh, they can certainly eat, yeah, and. and as indeed can you, Thomas, <laughs> as I have more witness to on more than more than one occasion. I think we should talk quickly about how you, how do you know each other? Oh, yes, that was... How long oh, we have um, the, the, the Market Kitchen to thank for that, as indeed for so many other things. I remember, yeah, I had to go meet him for the first time, this towering figure of British gastronomy. <laughs> I was, I was terrified. It was about 20 years ago, wasn't it? Yes. Terrified. And you were filming the first series of Great British Menu in a sort of a restaurant that looked like an aquarium in Chelsea Harbour. That's right. Yeah. Well, that was, actually, that was the second year. The, oh, second first, year. the first year we, it was an e- even more bizarre sight. Uh, no, that was right. It was it was very very strange. And you came up and and this bright eyed young man. Yeah, that was, was a long yeah. time ago. <laughs> well, you, and you just come away. You've just been doing. You've been a PR forum in the film business. Yes, yeah, so. I think it was a bit later than that. I just I think. I thought, well, I can make a, make a living of this. <laughs> so, what did you, how did you transfer from yeah. you know from an, from an orthodox calling to a? I was sacked. I was sacked. <laughs> that is so funny. Just before you came in, we were just talking about how many times Dad's been sacked. <laughs> yeah, I've, been, I've only been in one proper job, and I was sacked from that. So there we go. <laughs> it's all right. When you've got a long way to get, I've been sacked four times. I've worked. And you've done quite a lot of sackings. You know, I was listening to uh, you sack Prue, didn't you? I so she claimed. <laughs> I, you know, I think that was a gross exaggeration. But anyway, so, uh, but how did you? Why? why did you make that transfer? From I suppose because I was rubbish in an office, sat from every job I ever did, and could put a sentence together and like eating. So I remember Geordie Gregg, who went on to be the standard in the mail, mail on Sunday, managed to, came to be a manager again, took over Tatler magazine. And it was at some drinks party, I sort of tottered over. I assumed, you know, this is the sort of thing I would say, but, you know, if you are going to 
make a sort of pitch for your first job, you know, and, and with a name like mine, you'd probably better go to the tap rather than the, social, <laughs> the socialist worker. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you don't have a food column, rather sort of emboldened by booze. And that was it. So I wrote on school food, I think was the first. This must have been 99, 2000. Wow. And wrote about school food. And then got, had a column there for 10 years, I think, really. What was that? Good Lord. When, when he left, then I went to GQ, Esquire, on the glossy side. Yeah, so but it was that was... But that was the beginning. But television came quite early on in that case. Well, ish. When did we do Market Kitchen? 2005? Yeah, that's about right. Because I remember Lola, when she was born, them sweetly giving us a present. So that's that your must daughter. have been my daughter. So that must have been at least 15, 20 years ago, it must have been. Yeah. Wow. Good Lord. We had, I had hair in those days. Well, yeah. God, I, 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 I had more. <laughs> did you always have an interest in cooking? Yes. Or did that come later? Cooking was always. I didn't cook at home. I didn't cook at university. Yeah. I think when I left university, I always loved food and collected food books and always collected. I remember my, my parents used to have, well, my, my mother used to have Constant Spry. Yes. And I think there was a book called Rude Food. I was always fascinated. There was. It's sort of slightly okay. risque photos of, 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 of ladies in various, yes. various stages. Drinks with various foodstuffs. Yeah, it was, it was very much of a 70s, early 80s time, I think. But Constant Spry was always there. But yeah, the kitchen was always where everything happened, you know. Mm. We all sat, we used to, there was a dining room that was used at Christmas and when people came for dinner parties. Mm. But it was the kitchen always where everyone sat around and it still is. And did your mum cook? She did, yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, she, she, she really did. She had to bring up yeah. two children in the country. You know, the arrival of Sainsbury's in Chippenham in about 1979 was big news. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was very, you know, we grew up eating local seasonal organic, you know, and we didn't yeah. want to eat that. We wanted to have white bread, ice magic, Coca-Cola, you know, yeah. all the, Angel all the nice... Delight and Angel Delight and all the We never, you know... It was it was seen as a treat, all that sort of stuff. It is, is interesting how things have changed because they, those foods are so seen as you know, uh, instruments of the devil. And yeah. those days, they were the fierce cutting edge of the technological food revolution. There was, I mean, Sainsbury's was just remarkable. You know, you went in there, it was like wow. <laughs> in those days, it was orange and brown. I think was their logo. Wasn't yeah, it? but it was it was you know state of the art. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but in your family, there is a sort of tradition, is that because I think your your Grandfather was wine wine merchant. He was great. He was called. He, my grandfather was wine merchant. My great grandfather was called P. Morton Shan. This rather sort of Renaissance figure, not particularly nice to my grandfather. Started a great. Betjeman was his sort of protege. He was a great. He he started the Architectural Review, and he was a great modernist. And he sort of by the end of it, he'd lost. But he was a great sort of, you know, uh, Bauhaus and all that sort of stuff. He was mm. a great believer in. By he, of course, he'd lost total faith by the time he died in modernism and felt it had gone too far. But. He uh, and also he was the most he wrote a thing called a book of food that is the funniest, best written, most trenchant, 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 <laughs> trenchant. outspoken book about wow. food, you know, and about British food. And he lived in France and he was married four times. Um, this book is amazing. Was it kind of bagging British food? No, it was good about the things that were good and bad about, you know, leftovers. You know, the thing about leftovers, you know, leftovers on Monday, whistles on Monday, you know, did it on Tuesday. He said this was the death of British food, you know, oh, this very parsimonious use of the same. It was miss this. It was you would have a roast on Sunday, mince on sorry, roast on Sunday, mince on Monday, uh, cold on Tuesday, curry on Wednesday, okay. whistles on I mean, <laughs> yes, you eat out this awful bit of meat for all week, which, which Well, yes, except that yeah, you know, at least you know, you, there was no choice choice when I was growing up I didn't know about in your house but there was no choice you had got what was oh, no, you had, I have a choice yeah you know, yeah. You know d- these days it's oh, it's oh oh someone's a vegan someone's a vegetarian someone's a, a pescatarian someone else is a something else and I, you, don't, I didn't I knew any vegetarians growing up 
<laughs> what a sheltered life I know. Led. And was it was it quite regimented in terms? I'm just thinking about growing up in families where the the it was a bit more you got you get what you're given. Do you think there was was there regularity? Was there similar themes every week, or was the food quite it you know it was, changeable? It was things like oh, it's casserole, you know. That sort of thing. <laughs> like, we never let liver casserole. There was never never chicken. And my mother makes quite a nice thing with those sort of smoked sausages you get in the supermarket, mm. with cream and garlic. It was a sort of Lots of tarragon chicken, lots of roast chicken. I was about to say, what, are there any particular dishes that pork you... Pork chops. Everyone used to eat pork chops. Yes. Really They're so unfashionable now. Yeah. With or without the kidney. That was the Oh, that's a Barnsley thing. chop, isn't yeah. it? Is that a Barnsley chop with a kidney? No, no, no. What, I was say pork chop. With the kidney on it? With the kidney, yes. Set into it. This is, wow. Um, it, was, it was never enough kidney quite to go around the entire Fort family. So, who's got the kidney? This was a private went <laughs> out. But we did, yeah. It was... I think it's quite boring. I know from cooking for my children, it does get quite boring if you do it every day, you know. It's quite monotonous. Dinner. Yeah. So it'd be, we'd have a lot of the same stuff. I remember when salmon, farm salmon first came out, we had a lot of salmon until we realised <laughs> the error of our ways and the, and the awful iniquities of the farm salmon industry. Perhaps but, like, perhaps like the, the, uh, um, in the Victorian times, uh, the young people learning a trade. Oh, um, oh, apprentices. Or? Yes. Yeah, Perhaps we became like the apprentices in Dickens's time. We went on strike because they were being fed salmon from the Thames five days of yeah. five days a week. Mm-hmm. Oh, blimey! Yes, yeah, so it, it was. Yeah, but it was. It was. We all, there was no choice. I don't. Although with my children, I say, "What do you want for lunch? What do you want for dinner?" Yeah. Whereas what we kind of do, things do they like? Oh God! My son loves weirdly loves oysters. Obsessed with oysters. He's got taste, oysters. He's got a taste for native oysters. Um, which is ruinous. How does he? How does he have them? Kind of straight up. Oh, straight. He's like three dozen. He ain't literally. Yeah, and he's twelve. Wow. He's always loved that. He has. A, he has a, that. That sashimi. Anything raw, fishy, sea urchin obsessed by caviar. Dare I say it? <laughs> <laughs> Not taking after his father no, by any chance. Cut that. Absolutely obsessed. That's his Christmas present. Wow. He gets a bit of caviar. Whereas Lola, my daughter, is cheesy chips, hot dogs, pizza, ramen at a push. If he's been really healthy. Um, but main and ties. We've got a very good tie near us. Yeah. Um, with with, with Lois, it was uh, it was pasta three times a day, seven days a week, oh, yeah. fifty two weeks of the year. Shouldn't no, I like you when you talk about pasta that you had when when you know because Sundays you said you oh, were yeah, into, the yeah and nights. you had your pasta yeah, yeah that to, sounded very and good. And I'd have to lock Dad out the kitchen so he didn't try and interfere. What say cream in your problem? <laughs> like, oh, oh, I'm not quite sure you're doing. I'm like Dad, I'm just boiling water. <laughs> I can't be getting that bit wrong. <laughs> No, it's nice to have traditions. Well, I think it's yeah. also growing up with the stuff. It's being finding food familiar rather than, you know... Sort we, of, it was always a great yeah. expedition. My father would probably, like, not to stereotype most men, but, you know, whereas your mother would go with a list of what was needed, all the mm. boring stuff, the pasta. My, my father would just go into Chippenhamall, caution my local town, and he'd love it, be the butcher first and the fishmonger, yeah. then the greengrocer, then maybe into the, the farm feed shops. We had a farm... You know, so it was always... And it's, it's true, and I think you're right. It is, it's hard to stereotype when it comes to gender, but it, that is often the case. I mean, you're not stereotype about men. You're not stereotype about men. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't... You can't well, when I go off to the supermarket with Peter, it's hilarious. I've got my, my list, and I've put quantities on, and Peter just wants to go in and see what's there. Yeah, that's well, why it's actually same, makes same. much. It's a much nicer way to shop. It is. It is, and it's that... It's that always, you know, you sp- I do a interview series for the newspaper for you for the mail at the moment which is my life through food and you find that you know everyone's with Ruthie Rogers it's always like you know you go to the market and you know you choose what's good on the day now that's wonderful if you're living in Italy or in France yeah. or to a certain extent in central London you can go and go to the butcher more difficult I say you know but you know if you're 
in the middle of the country somewhere. Oh, living somewhere like Aberdeen or or, or, or Ristwith or well. yes, you know the the idea. I love that idea. You know, when you're on holiday, mm. that's for me is the joy yeah. of holiday. Is you're left alone in the kitchen, you have to go and sunbathe. You just go and cook and you go to all the local <laughs> you know places yeah. and come back and you know that's the joy of of cooking. Tom Barkerwell's holiday cook. I do. I love it. I absolutely love cooking on holiday because you can just sit in the kitchen. And which any particular country where where you feel most at home. Well, we used, we used to take a, a house near Catania in Sicily for many years, mm. and that was in a sort of, you know, citrus grove, and you can go to the Catania fish market and get those sea oh, urchins. And, one of the great markets of the world. Oh, I love that. And then stop and have, you know, have a beer and some sea urchins, and that's, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Were you aware at the time this was a sort of remarkable way to, 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 to sort of live? No, because we live, you know, as food writers, restaurant critics, we do live in a sort of, we breathe a sort of strange and rarefied air and that <laughs> every time we've got an issue, you know, you're, you, you, by osmosis, I'm a home cook, but we did Saturday Kitchen, what, eight years? Yes. And instead, both of us as journalists, instead of having to ring them up, Every time you needed a quote for a piece about making mashed potatoes, you could ask Tom Kerridge or Raymond Blanc or Heston or whoever it was. Yeah. So you have this still, there's immediate access to chefs. You it know, was that market kitchen, not uh, not Saturday. Oh, it's not Saturday. <laughs> I did, yeah, I <laughs> that, that was another show. I did Saturday <laughs> kitchen with Teva actually on yeah. Saturday. I absolutely love it. And it was like market. You know, there was market kitchen. Looking back, and we moaned, we groaned. It was. Two and a half episodes a day, was it? Yeah, it was two and a half. And that, you know, we had our rows and walkouts <laughs> and all the right. Do you remember that? Do you remember that time when, when, when you slightly lost your temper and I had to take you to the pub? <laughs> <laughs> Calming down. Yes, I, I, had, uh, I had a bit of a... <laughs> I've completely forgotten. I, I can't remember what it was about. I was about something so, something was so minor, but anyway, there was a blow-up and anyway, but stop... The wow. whole film was stopped. We had to go to the pub we always went to. It doesn't happen often, but when it does... No, and, there was yeah. no, and also there was... The, you just had to get them out, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing red, literally everyone yeah. would have had it just out. And I just... was being pushed too hard, I think. And if you were even thing. remotely hungry, that would have made it ten times worse. It's quite interesting, because I can remember everybody else losing their temper. Do you remember Raymond losing his temper? Yeah, twice, twice, twice he because lost his temper. The whole point was, you had, like television, you had you know, five minutes to do the cooking. Now, Raymond, the, these sort of strange concepts of time and you know accuracy... You know, he says, no, I just cook it when it's ready. You know, no, you can't rush it. So, but we have to rush it, Raymond, because it's a five-minute TV slot. No, I do it in ten minutes. So, <laughs> I'm not putting my name on my reputation. Is on it. I'm not going to be... He, he was brilliant on it. We had pretty much everyone on that show, didn't we? We had everyone but... Jamie, because uh, he was under contract. Uh, Heston N- and Gordon. Gordon. Gordon used to come onto the set, though. Do you remember? Yeah, he, oh, he yeah. was below you guys, wasn't he? In the we, same yeah, F-word. We used to do F-word as well. It was the great Pat Llewellyn, who was, who was... Happy days, those were. Pat Llewellyn, who found the fat ladies, found Jamie, one of the nicest women on earth. Found yes, it him. Just brilliant. She died way, way too young. But, but she, was, she had this sort of brilliant eye for talent. Yeah, <laughs> who would have selected Tom, for example? <laughs> I, could, I mean, apart, apart from that show, I've, I could kill any TV. I did a, a, a daytime show called, I think it's called Food Glories for You with Lloyd Grossman, who I love. Yeah. And it was Optimum. It should have been, it was supposed to be, it was produced by Simon Cowell's company, Psycho. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it was supposed to be this big blockbuster show going at ITV after Corey. Anyway, it died in about a week. Oh, did know? it? It was basically day. It was very well done. It was it's autumn, but it was daytime. Teddy put on night. You know, it's, we started off this big launch. You know, coming in after Coronation Street, as we sort of went later and later in the night, <laughs> and eventually we were just sort of shoved on at two in the morning. <laughs> uh, another triumphant. Um, I know another show. Another series. show killed by yeah. Now, me, one of the other things I, you know, I've known you, you know, quite a long time, and your passion for spice 
It's one of the things that yeah. notable things about your cooking is heavy loading of spice. Everything's got chilies in, yeah. It's just, it just wants you to get a taste for chilies. Yeah. And, and chilies, the, the greatest fruit there is, even more than tomatoes. Versatile, you know, you think that, that, that as relative newcomers to the old world, only really coming across with, with the Portuguese. And, you know, what I've always wanted to do this program, I was speaking to many Jaffa about, about, you know, the, how, how the chili, you follow chili and you follow a certain sort of conquest. Um, and you, you you see you follow empire across yes. and the rise and fall of empire and the rest of it, but but uh, yeah, you know, let's start in Mexico. No, no, no. I want to do a book on chilies. Well, that's your other great passion, isn't it? Mexican food. I love Mexican food. I just love you know Mexican time. My two sort of, but and they are built very much around the chili. But but Mexican, it drives me mad when you hear people. Oh, Mexican, it's all you know. It is as as varied and vibrant and regional and just. It's got the you know the high and the low. It's fantastic. You're a true ambassador for Mexico. Mexico and Thai. I remember traveling around with David Thompson a few times around Thailand, and that's yeah. fun as well. David Thompson, for those who don't know, is is the great expert in Asian food. And his book, Thai food. I don't know if I'd have to say this anymore because he speaks Thai. He's married to a Thai man, but he's Australian. But his book, Thai food, is one of the great. I'd say in my top five cookbooks. Of all really? Time. It's, okay. It's what all cookbooks should be. It's history. It's culture. It's it's beautifully written, and what you know, oh, it's a masterpiece. What are the other? What are the other four? Well, I think I'd always have to put in. Uh, I, I love Dorothy Hartley, and you know, Food in England, and I also love. Um, gosh, what's her name? Amy Fisher. Yes, I'm sort of. I was reading a book, the autobiography of Richard Olney, which, as you'd imagine, is splendidly bitchy. <laughs> very uh, bitchy. Very bitchy, but very very good, and he he. Who was it who hates MFK Fisher? I think it was Julia Child hates yes. MFK Fisher. Anyway, you can imagine the sort of... Uh, um, but I, I do like MFK. I, she can overwrite. Nothing wrong with overwriting. Um, I do like her and respect her. I love, obviously, Jane Griggs and Elizabeth David. Uh, Florence White, Good Things in England. Which she was a very strange character. I mean, you know, she wrote a sort of misery memoir in the 20s. <laughs> but right. she collected, she went around Britain collecting, you know, saying, write into me because we're in danger of losing these, you know rumbledy thumps or whatever it is so all these recipes got sent in from across the country and and you know from you know it's, it's johnny johnny useful when you when you're having to write an article about it about british food you know yeah. you yes to name a few obscure dishes which no one else has uh, from dawson i mean also and then alan davis anything yes. north atlantic seafood mediterranean seafood the seafood of southeast asia masterpieces oxford companions of food of course you know is that for people lois's age is that they don't look at books, do you? Don't well, I do, but I'd say, yeah, a huge part of my generation does it all online and and find and, and get sort of inspiration from Instagram and social media and and I've you know I find people going less and less to books. I still have, I suppose it's my age, but I still have this built-in fear that if it comes from Anna Davison or Jane Grigson or or, or Richard Orney. That I can quote them because I trust them. If it just comes yeah. from Wikipedia, you know that yeah. that I don't. But I do go to Wikipedia first. Thing, okay, that's that's that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and then you do the deep dive. But I much prefer. I can't walk past a charity shop without going in and grabbing the new whatever you know Ferdinand Poire, you know Macuzino, <laughs> yeah. and you know hoping. And so even in my 
house at the moment. So most of my books are in storage. There must be about 5,000, wow. I think, now. And they're in storage. My mum's... But I just can't wait to move out and have all my books around me. And then I feel mm. comfortable and safe and they're all, you know... And all of my books, too, that I I've, been saving, I've, I've been I've saving got, yeah. for you. Have you got a stash, too? I've got a stash. And he keeps... And he's helping me down to pick No, but I've got... Way. I will... I will yeah, I must yeah, come down. Are so. we talking just about food here or are we talking about all... No, no, just No, about, my old... My, just my other books. Yeah, I've got their other books. Yeah, they're there for you, darling. No, 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 no. <laughs> that wasn't my angle there. That wasn't my angle. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I love food books. I just love... Um, yeah, I just I collect them. I'm obsessed yeah. with them. And fight, the more obscure, the better. And I get into trouble on those sort of auction sites occasionally getting excited. And, yeah, oh, and do you cook from them a lot? Do you actively cook from them? Yes, I do. Cause because of my job, I'm, I'll, I'll get on with this in a second. Because of, my, because of the job, you know, I do a roundup of books and mm. stuff like that. You get sent all the books. So, you know, yeah. And, and yeah. I, I, actually, what you're amazed, I, what I was always amazed at, is how much dross there is among the... And also, but yeah, there's so many books published. I'm just thinking this year, I was doing my years, but Jeremy King's book this year, I mean, Jeremy King, Jeremy Lee's book this year is wonderful. You know, a book 30 years in the making, he writes beautifully. Mm. You know, there's a mixture of very elaborate recipes and very simple, and I just loved it. It's, it's, it's getting Jeremy's distinctive voice. Uh, he, he once did the, um, did the recipes in The Guardian uh, for about two years. And his copy used to arrive, and it was rather like it was rather like hot heads, bodies, legs. The, 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 the views were always there, and they were quite coherent, but they weren't necessarily in the right order. You had to move the paragraphs around in order to get <laughs> some sort of flow. And then the voice of Jeremy, lo and yeah. behold, there I mean, it all was. That book is, and I also this year I like Heston's book a lot. Actually, it, it was a yes. quite you know when he was explaining it, he made it sound a lot more complicated than it was because he goes in, into the deep dive into. Yeah. synapses and things I don't yes. know how he's spelled it you know we love him he's a genius but when he's as you probably know when Hessen's in in full flow mm-hmm. you have to you know you have to be quite sharp to keep up <laughs> and, and go, yeah, yeah, like. but you're right actually the book was quite simple wasn't the book it? is and it's yeah. a really good recipe because the thing about I loved his In Search of Perfection it was a BBC book the fact that but you love because it's just they wouldn't yeah. begin to dream of cooking anything in it, but no. it's a lovely It's a book. record of one of the great restaurants of our Yeah, time. exactly. Um, no. I haven't been back for ages. You're going back on Saturday, aren't you? I'm going back on Saturday, but uh, yes, I know, just for just a sort of nose around. You know, you know, I once cooked my own lunch. Uh, you, you have uh, told me that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, but the rest of the world does not know. No, go on, tell go the on, listeners. Yeah, it's yeah, a good yeah, story. Yeah, go on, good, yeah. Do. Well, I just spent, I spent, I spent uh, a couple of days there following... Heston around the fact his day and the meetings. This was quite a long time ago, right? This was quite a long time ago, yes. Uh, and then they said, right, okay, on the second, on the third day, you'll cook your own lunch. And so, you remember that the, in the old days that kitchen was absolutely oh, tiny, I mean, absolutely out the back, wasn't it? Yeah. And tried to tried to fit me in. There. <laughs> it was slightly more robust than most of the chefs there. It was a bit of a problem. And I had this little patch to work on. And all I remember is that that. Ashley, who was then running the kitchen, said um, he asked me to chop you know, two kilos of shallots in order to make this one dish. So I chopped them, and he said, no, no, finer. So I chopped them again, and he said, no, no, smaller. I thought, if they can be smaller than this, they can be atoms. <laughs> yeah. But it made me realise you know, the precision to which they, which they worked. It was, it was, it was, a, a, veal, it was a veal kidney. Uh, in uh, with Macvin sauce, and it was all rolled up, and it was poached in the. Uh, I think it was in, in a bag with with all the shallots, and then it was. Anyway, it was. A, anyway, there I am. There are, there's a photograph of me preparing my, and it was just an extraordinary uh, privilege, really, to be yes. to be in there and done that. There, there is that thing. I remember going to 
El Bully, you know, when it was, in, you know, the, the whole peak of, it wasn't, you know, they all hate, they don't call it, what is it, post-modern food, I suppose, what it, what it is, it's yes. at that period, it wasn't molecular gastronomy, which drives everyone mad, but it was that time when, you know, it was, is this, is this a plate, is this a bit of food, that, and then we went to El Bully, and, it, you know, the thing about El Bully, you go, it was Gironda, so you go miles, and you're expecting this very gleaming, and it's actually just an old thinker, okay. but the kitchen, this whole thing, they bloody started it. You know, out comes Fran, would you like to see the kitchen? I thought the last thing I want to do on earth is see the bloody kitchen. But you sort of have to sort of go, wow, let's yeah. go, great. You know, why do we want to see the kitchen? You know, it's this new thing, you know, coming to the kitchen. Yeah. Everyone knows itself conscious. It's, it's a there. special way to be a special treat. But, but you have, I mean, you have sort of ambivalent views about very fancy well, cooking. Well, you it? love it, you see. You, uh, the idea of heaven is a... Listen, my mouth course. is open for food of all kinds, but including you, the fancy, but also the very simple. But I did actually go with Giles to Insha. You know, mm. is this the country's best? You know, all these strange lists that, you know, you can, yeah. it's not like this is the fastest person in the world. You can't say this is the best food in the world. But you go 50 courses, I think it was. 50? I think it was about 50, maybe 48. But some of them obviously sort of yeah. bites. But, and it was, it was in deepest, darkest well. It was beautiful. And very, very Asian. So the Thai, Japanese, Ooh, it was lovely. influenced. But it was, it was stunning. Gareth Williams is a hell of a good chef. But you didn't get bored or tired of this. Well, we were sat at the front, and there's pounding dance music. So it's like <laughs> slightly being in a rave, you know, with the kitchen all, you know, with, and and it gets louder and louder. And of course, you get a drink with most courses. So about halfway through, you're quite merry, and it's, it gets louder and louder. The music and darker and darker as you're eating. Wow. Um, it was definitely so. Loved it. So it's a total experience. I thought it was absolutely mm. s- stunning, but of course. You know, you write a review and you put it in the paper, and of course, you can imagine the comments. You know, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, so five hundred quid. You know, what planet do you live in? You, you know, but, but would they say the same about you know Picasso painting or a or a? Well, that's the thing. You know, I think you're there's you know, you're obviously you're sensitive at the moment. You know, I'm not going to be reviewing restaurants that are around here. You know, we're in Mayfair at the moment. And, you know, those Mayfair ones that seem to open, it's 300 quid a head and everything's mm. got caviar on it and gold leaf and, yeah. and mm. truffle oil. Stuff. And yeah. And it's like, apart from, of course, you know, Mount Street. But, but uh, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I don't like those. And those, you know, the tyranny of the taste team and you're stuck and you hit the wall about course 10. Exactly. So, oh, God, I remember, again, my, my ex-wife, who Al Bully, and she was pregnant. So she wasn't drinking. And she said, the waiter, it was like an H.M. Bateman cartoon, you know, she said, do you mind if I just skip the next 30 courses and go straight to pudding? I was convinced that Fran Adria would come out. You know, everyone's, everyone wants silence and their jaws drop. Um, as, uh, yeah. yeah. You've got to get it done, you've got to get it kind of right, otherwise you can get to a point where after which it's diminishing returns, isn't it? Oh, and also, it's that awful thing when you hit the wall that it's wasted on you. You yes, just exactly. don't want anything more. Where do you like to go and eat that is not tasting menu? It's not upmarket. It's not smart. It's not super expensive. Where's oh gosh, it would be it'd be Chinese food. I mean, I like shit human very much. It's in Shepherd's Bush, Thai one one in in Hammersmith. Where else do I eat a lot? Zili Chia does very good pizza. It's very near me. Oh really? And you know, do you remember that place that you talked about I, that you loved? It's been it's been in Olympia for years. Shea beer. Yes, it's still there. It's very good. Would you know? I sent someone there the other day, and they said it was absolutely. Fa- who lives around? And they make their own Bastorm. It's a Lebanese restaurant, and it's Ooh. I live around there, and it's, yeah. and it's just. It's Thanks to Mama, actually, she introduced oh, really? me to that. Well, it was actually Shea Marcel, and Marcel was this red-haired um, Algerian woman who actually man. 
one more rocket, um, who actually ran the kitchen. Okay. And it was because it, all the food was really freshly prepared. Yeah. Suddenly the spicing comes alive. The, the use of herbs, you know, really fresh parsley, has completely mm. different flavour. It, it was wonderful. Very good. I mean, the River Cafe, I love. I just, but it is yeah. quite expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I I think it's not an everyday have, budget. That when, one. You, when you have someone else to pay for that, I think. But it is. I just something about the River Cafe in summer or winter. Mm. It's just. It, it for me it encapsulates what a great restaurant's about. You know, it's the whole everything works together. It's, it's uh... yes. Yeah, so I, I think it's you know, looking back. I mean, there are sort of landmark restaurants which stand out from, yeah. uh, and that was one. I think Kensington Place. Was Kensington another. Place was my first yeah. restaurant that you when you became a regular. You know, and mm. it was because I lived near there, and it was my 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 first three martini lunch. My God, I was with, <laughs> it was with Hoppy Simon Hopkinson. Jonathan Meads, Rowley, I can't remember, maybe Simon Slater, which I can't remember. Anyway, sat Martina, so, you know, the three Martina lunch, obviously is not counting the, the wine that you're having and the brandy and the... Black. But I had the three Martina, I was done. I had to be, sort of, I had to be poured into a taxi before lunch even started. Oh, what a whim. I know. I mean, and these, 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 these guys and, and, yeah, they could drink. It was... Uh, it's, it's, do you think it's one of the things that's great, great things that's changed is that actually no one has three martini lunches anymore? Well, it depends apart, who you're from, with. apart from <laughs> thee and me. Yes, I think, I think there's certain people I go for lunch with you, yeah. um, Bill Knox, yeah. uh, William Sitwell, Giles, um, mainly restaurant kids and people who work in the food world. Because no one else is allowed to go and have like a long boozy yeah. lunch. But a proper lunch. I yeah. always know when I speak to Dad and he's had lunch with you that I'm going to get a squiffy phone call. Yeah. <laughs> It's a, it's a proper lunch, and it used to, in my youth, I could do it two or three times a week. I, I can do one of those lunches once every three weeks now. Yes, I, I, I can't. much to say. But I can't, in the old days, I used, used to do it two or three times a week. Well, when I worked in advertising, you know, is that the lunches were judged by the number of bottles. And we used to have four, five, six bottle lunches. But didn't you didn't you come in, this is your father describing his working days, so or come in and about 10 o'clock, put your jacket, do an hour's work, and then start thinking about where you're going for lunch. <laughs> well, I used to actually probably go around the pub around the corner and think about what I was going to do for lunch, and then go back to the office and then go out for lunch. You, look, you were destined, Dad, because you spend a lot of time thinking about what you're going to eat. I would regard that as research. It's funny, actually, if you think of the advertising world at that point, who came out of it? And you think, was Charles Campion? Yes. Faye? Faye came as... Were they, uh, both, uh, they were both advertising? Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and there was another... Do you, oh, crikey, what was his name? Terribly smooth fellow. Uh, always wore ties and... and, and uh, not that... No, not the guy, Roy Ackman, who used to... Like, no, 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 no. It was... Come back to me in some Capsule letters. And Capsule yeah, letters yeah. again. Mm-hmm. And Contrabat. No, Alan. No, well, Alan was the man who made London restaurant scene and what it is. I'm, I remember, yeah, my, one of my first interviews was with Marco. I think Alan was looking after him, wasn't he? And you get a glass of champagne at like nine thirty, you know. Oh, why wait that long? I know. <laughs> now, Alan was Alan was a sort of PR genius when it came to um, when it came to pr- promoting the uh, and and finding the right chefs to do it with. But, but back to the restaurants that, that yeah. changed. And if you, there, there was, I don't know if it's a book or an article, but 1997 was that year that the River Cafe opened, Kensington Place opened, Hoppy was at Babendum, Fergus, tw- no, because St John must there have was been. Sean Hill was at Gidley Park because he was. People forget, you see, because. Most of it's in London, but there were one or two places outside London. Mm. Uh, and indeed, Sean Hill is still cooking. Oh, yeah, shaking the pans. Shaking the yeah. pans at the age of 70-odd. I mean, it's amazing, really. Um, Harvey's. Harvey's, I was too young. I'm sad to oh, say, although it was, it was that very good, yeah. That I, was my I went to Harvey's. That was where 
That's where all the sort of... To, to be routinely abused by Marco. <laughs> yeah. But Kensington Place was wonderfully loose, but the food was, was... You took it for granted. But it was like... Do you remember he used to do the, the sweet corn pancake with foie gras, and then there was the... The mm. scholars with the pea puree, where really he was quite, yeah. and his first book, No Place Like Home, yes, No Place Like Home is absolutely brilliant, and so is a, a long and messy business. As well, yes, that's, that's, that's true. I think the thing, uh, uh, the thing with with Kenton Place was actually the design of the restaurant was as important as the yeah. food. It was the first restaurant that I'm aware of where there was a, just this huge plate glass window mm. next to yeah. the street, yeah. so it was, people could look in. You know, it became part. But didn't of the they have a theater. fish? Counter. That came later, that a very good later? fish shop, and then it sort of. Yeah, they used, to, they used to have it in the next door, the fish mm. yeah. shop. But I'm a big outrage because in those days everyone smoked in restaurants, and I remember going to Clark's, which I, I still I think she she's incredibly good cook, Sally Cook, mm. uh, Sally Clark, and it's it's remained popular for all these years because it's very precise. Mm. Anyway. But you couldn't smoke there. We were outraged. We're not going to Clark. How dare they can't smoke? And of course, Kensington Place was in this fug of smoke. But Clark was open at the same time. Exactly. Actually. Clark was, was always fun. much more... Yes. It, was, it was sort of, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was less very rowdy. Cal- yeah. It was very Californian, rather rather neat and tidy and clean. And But, but I go and eat there still, and sometimes it's just great, the food. You yeah. know, you, you really she's a really She's, she's a really, really, really good cook. Should we have some listener questions? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, darling. We get carried away. Okay, we've got... A, we've Do you make got... these up? <laughs> no, actually <laughs> not. extraordinary suggestion. We've got a couple of our own, but no, these are not made up. Peter wants to know, what's your favourite drink? Oh, what Peter would that be? <laughs> <laughs> no, this one is genuinely my okay, boyfriend. What's my favourite drink? I'm non-alcoholic. I'm a big... I mean, this sounds very boring, but my children have, have this game, you know, would you rather? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd rather do neither of them, usually. So, you know, would you rather, like, jump off... You know, that, that's why... But basically, they have this game, you know, what drink would you have? There's one drink left, and it would be water, because water is the best drink in the world. Yeah. Okay. Um, but in terms of, I love Coca-Cola. Yeah. Which Matthew's a poor, but I love fizzy drink. I love Do Dr. Pepper and all those sort of strange. <laughs> Iron brew. I love fizzy drinks. Iron brew. But I haven't had one of those for um, years. And if it was a, if it was alcoholic? Alcoholic, probably. I'd like to say sort of like amazing claret and burgundy, but really it's probably like rosé that I drink the most of. What about, what about cocktails? Cocktails, there's only three cocktails, as we well know. There's a martini, and it is a martini. If you're having vodka, it is a vodka martini, but a martini right. has gin in it, obviously. A Bloody Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe, oh, I don't know, an old-fashioned maybe. Okay. Negroni. Negroni, sometimes. I can't do Negroni. <laughs> they knock me out. One sip and I've... One, one, it's a good... Yes, sort of, and I do love all the, um, you know, Poir William, uh, Kummel. Yes, I've noticed sort of the, 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 the Poir William at the end of at the end of lunch. It's, you know, it's, they used, what, do the, what do the French call it? The, the, they call it for Calvados le truc normand, the, the, the normand yes. hole because it burns through all the food. But okay. yes, drink. So yeah, I'm, but I'm a big fan of, of fizzy drinks. Do you think that life is the search for the perfect martini? Well, then I found life. Then there's three, <laughs> I found the secret. I found three places that have the perfect martini. There's a place in New York called J.G. Mellon that's uptown, and it's been there for about 40 years, and it does the best hamburger. This, you know, this sounds like someone on Twitter saying, what, the best hamburger in New York? My favourite hamburger in New York. <laughs> and it's been there for ages, and you sit at the bar, and you order. There's no chat about where the meat comes from, whatever. You just, you know, it's cheeseburger rare and a martini, and it's just, it is perfect. <laughs> and it's a Gibson I like rather than, I like, you know, I like having the onions in it rather than. Okay. Um, St. John does a very good one, and so does 
Bellamy's. That's an incredibly good martini. What about, what about Duke's Hotel? <laughs> I love Duke's, but they're too strong. Because they're a mean martini and a half. But because he they, doesn't, but... because Alessandra at Duke's, have you ever been to Duke's? No, I is, haven't. You're only allowed two. And you think, yeah, yeah, because they're quite big, because martinis should be in three yeah. icy sips, as you say. What, was Lawrence Durrell? It's, no, no, it was, Ice it, the it, it was it's the first martini of the day going whistling through the rigging. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, but with the martini like that, but at Duke's, he freezes the, 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 the gin or the vodka, if you insist, and he makes his own sort of. Um, so it's a little spray, isn't it? Spray okay. of, of, of vermouth. Of vermouth. And then basically you get pure. Wow. Gin. So you have about four measures per martini. So two. I once had three and I, I think I turned up to dinner with my mum. I was absolutely spanked. There's that, uh, there's that, was that little ditty by... Um, I do love a martini, one or two at the most. Three, I'm under the table. Four, I'm under the host. <laughs> That's really good. Okay. A martini is a great thing, yes. Right. Florence wants to know... I think it's a really good question, actually. Your best kind of can't live without kitchen gadget or appliance... Ooh, I was thinking about this the other day. A wooden spoon's boring, but I do use a wooden spoon mm-hmm. a lot. A knife, obviously. I've got this thing from Japan that is the best thing. It's basically, it looks like it's a, it looks like a spoon, apart from it's got a, a round bit at the end with a very, very, very thin mesh. And it's for skimming broth and stock. Ah. And it takes off the fat in one go. It is so satisfying. Really? So instead of that bit, you know, you use kitchen paper or... Skim. This yeah. literally is a Japanese um, froth skimmer, and it only costs five or something like that, and it gets all the scum off broth, off everything. Oh, you're Ooh, make a making that. Christmas presents. <laughs> it is because it's so satisfying. You know, when you're making, your, I mean, I know your father believes in you know when you're making stock, he doesn't like putting aromatics in. You, you want the flavour. I want the aroma- I put the aromatics in at the end. Mm-hmm. You see, because I make my stock for just for you know noodle soups or maybe. I suppose risotto it mucks it up a bit if you've got too many aromatics. I, I, because uh, uh, the perfect stock for me is is Uncle Wu's basic stock, which I learned from one of the greatest chefs I've ever seen, and it's just equal quantities of uh, pork ribs, yeah, uh, unsalt, unsmoked bacon, and chicken wings. Chicken wings, are great nothing else stock. at yeah. all, and you just buy that, and it, and it produces this stock of extraordinary neutrality, but great depth. It's very odd. It's wonderful. MSGs, yeah, that's the secret to everything. I love MSG. Oh, <laughs> Maggie's. I've got Maggie's. Ma- all these I things. put Maggie's in. And people everywhere, oh, MSG's so bad. Literally, you know, Maggie's, um, every crisps, every, you know, yeah. all got MSG. MSG is better for you than salt. This, this whole yeah. idea that it's bad for yeah. you is ridiculous, but that's a whole different... Yeah. Yeah, magic powder. I love it. I do. <laughs> so, so, the Japanese skimmer. Well, we'll be all Jap- Oh, skimmer. it's so good. And you literally, in one second, you skim. Your stock. Um, I'm definitely going to get one of those. Uh, rather than with a spoon, you, you know. know you sp- and also with a spoon, you always end up getting more of the stock than you do of the fat. Yeah, and yeah, it doesn't like, yeah. Oh. What about uh, what about tongs? Yes, good good tongs are invaluable. Especially our quite... listeners are going to get so bored of tongs, <laughs> especially quite long ones. I like the ones with the vulcanized rubber. But yes, yeah, long because you forget sometimes when it's, you know when it's, it's hot and your hand burns. You know, it's, these mm. things are perfect by tongs. I, I, you know, my knife, my tongs, my wooden spoon. <laughs> uh, what else? Got, I've got back into a garlic press again. Oh, um, this you, is. You I'm, waste a lot. I'm really anti because of the waste. You do waste a lot, but I tell you what, when you're sort of doing a stir fry, yeah, and you just need two cloves of garlic quickly in the oil at the beginning. That makes. I've big... started grating them, and then you 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 get all of it out. Oh, microplane as well. The great thing. Oh yeah, microplane exactly. Uh-huh. Other problem with the garlic press, you've got they're really difficult to clean. I mean, again, well, you can get ones that you flip around the other way and it pushes it out. But yes. my yeah, I've oh, got I've okay. got I looked on the sort of 
A review site of garlic <laughs> presses. That's how alien I am. Are you something of a nerd? I, yeah, I, I do love kitchen cake. <laughs> yeah, I'm Le Creuset as well. Old Le Creuset, oh. Dutch ovens, they call them. Yes. Yeah, just... love those. Yeah. Cast iron, cast iron, And pans. I once, I have a really nice um, cleaner who comes in and does all the stuff I can't do. And once, years ago, it wasn't the same one I have now, but I found a wash in my walk. I literally burst into tears with soap and water because. 20 years of pattern <laughs> built up and she, oh, you wow. know, washed off. Actually, that's a good point. Chris, another Christmas present. I want a proper wok. But you need a cheap wok. That's the key. Yeah, oh, actually. is that the key? Yeah. It has to be a cheap wok and, and then you just build up because the heavy ones don't get the heat. You know, you need one 20 okay. quid from, from... Like go to Wing Yip or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's okay. easily the best. Good. There. Any other questions? Well, there's our ultimate question. Why don't you ask? Tom? Ah, <laughs> yes. Tom, what is your dirty dish? So I don't. I, I, I knew. I, was, I, I don't. I don't like the idea of anything that is dirty in food because it means not, that other stuff is clean. I don't have any. I don't mean dirty things. in that respect. I mean you know, that, that little thing you go to to, to cheer yourself. Oh, up, oh, oh, oh um, not a dirty food, but, but no, because I, I think that there's no such thing as sort of guilty food or anything like no, that. No, no, no. It's not guilty. It's oh, what I have, what I love food. most of all, yes. is is uh, cheap white or brown bread. Toasted with um, a processed cheese size, not the posh ones. It's one. It's got a German name. It's called um, Hockland Cheddar. Absolutely, you get it at the corner shop. It's absolutely made. and that with Tabasco and pepper on top, and that's just a snack you can literally eat in three bites. Mm. That is a absolutely classic, but not dairyly. Certainly not craft. Nothing too. Do you melt the cheese? No, it slightly melts. You see, yeah, yeah, under the heat. Because unlike sourdough that you put in the toaster, it takes two goes on the toaster to get it done. The cheap bread, which yeah. I love, cheap white bread for bacon sandwiches and yeah. stuff like that, that literally is in and out of the toaster and it's almost nothing there. <laughs> yeah. Do you and know what? Slightly I'm, melts I love out. a cheese sandwich and I know exactly what you mean about slightly processed cheese slices. Oh, it's not They're cheese, the, but it's delicious. Oh, it's the best. And what I've started doing is toast the bread, put the cheese in, create the sandwich, cut it in half to the two triangles, and yeah. then I quickly put that all back in the toaster Ooh. for about 30 seconds and then the cheese just starts to kind of like coagulate and oh, spill out the sides. Dad, <laughs> I, I can see you losing it already. No, no, not I appreciate every single one of a those things. A bit of plastic cheese. Listen you're, you're, yeah, listen, you're talking to the man who loved Cheesy Tiger, the best tasted cheese sandwiches I've ever eaten I mean, in my life. I mean, you can't lose with a cheese but sandwich. To, I mean, cheese, but also the other thing I have for lunch, when, when I'm, you know, working in the week, and it's, I have every day I'm a man of habit, it's sardines, there's, there's Waitrose sardine picante because they don't have the pat bones in you, so I'll put them out. Um, and you have that with the chopped red onion, chilies, fish sauce, lime juice, salt and pepper, and put it mm. on toast. Mix it all up with, with and, and you know, and it, oh my god, it's so good! I love tin fish. Are we gonna, <laughs> are we going to find this in the new in the new cookbook? Possibly not. No. I'm just about to put in my proposal. But it's top. Obviously, you'll be the first. No, mm-hmm. so. uh, is it a, a state secret by any chance? It's all, yeah, state secret. Yeah, sort of state secret. <laughs> not, it's not. It's it's anyway. The proposal's going in, and then okay. and then then I'm not going to jinx That's it, but. Yes, it's, it's been interesting research anyway. Well, I say it's been an absolutely fascinating conversation. Yeah, it's just like a normal so conversation much. in the pub, isn't it? Well, yeah, exactly. Without the, without the beer. a couple of pints, please. We, we could go and have a pint now, couldn't we? We could. We, we certainly not? could. I think, we should, I think we'd uh, absolutely... Um, um, well, I don't know. You're a busy man. No, no. I've got lunch at 1.15, but, you know, oh, we've got 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>